You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment, and this podcast is proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Wayne, I've taken your name in vain. I have to admit, when I spoke to David Shapiro yesterday, we talked about a tweet that you sent out, and you said, well, local stocks are down 3%, I think you said, but we're being rescued, the JSE, that is, by the performance of the Rand Hedges. Um, David and I were debating whether... You know, the, 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 the local stocks offer good value, which you also suggested, or whether there'd be even better value in the future. And it just seems to me, with certain of the results that we've seen in the last couple of days, there might be some better value to come. Look, that you simply don't know, unfortunately. Now, a little bit of background to that. I actually spent the morning having a quite a detailed investigation into this exact thesis. And what I did was, is I looked at and I just ignored earnings for the time being. I just looked at dividend yield. Right. So what what is the dividend yield on various shares relative to the long bond rates? In other words, you compare the yield you get on the share to the yield you get on the long bond. Now, the yield on the share, the dividend, would normally be lower because it grows in theory. It grows over time, whereas the long bond is a constant return when you buy it. So... I look back in the banking shares, and this is the cheapest. In other words, the dividend yield is the highest it's been relative to the long bond yield forever, just about with, well, not just not forever, but when you look at it, it's the, it's the lowest, it's, it's the cheapest it's been since 2002, with the exception of the massive blow-off that we've seen, we saw in 2008, where they were significantly cheaper. Right. Okay, so that's the first conclusion you come to. So as long as the dividend outlook is no different now for the next time as what it has been in the in the past. So in other words, as long as the companies can grow the dividends more or less the same as what they did since 2008, the shares look quite good value. Then when you look at the retailers, it's even more pronounced. I mean, once again, this is the cheapest it's been relative to the long bond rate, um, other than the spike in 2008, but it's, it's even closer to that spike. So in other words, there's a significant amount of bad news in the price. And then the one that stands out the most of all is the SA listed property, whereas there, it's the same pattern, but it's even the dividend yield is even higher compared to the long bond yield than the other two. So, yes, the conclusion I come to is that these shares are cheap. They can get cheaper. Anything can happen. It's always incredibly difficult to call the bottom. But the dividend yield relative to the long bond yield is the best it's been, i.e. the cheapest, for 20 years other than the few months. And it literally was maybe six or eight months in 2008 when the world was coming to an end. So yes, I, I still come back to that conclusion. Can the companies continue to pay dividends? And are they just paying dividends because they know that if they didn't, the share price would go into free fall? Is this a, a sort of short-term the, bolstering tactic? No, the companies are generating cash. There's enough cash to meet that dividend. Um, ignoring a couple of companies that have shown negative earnings, you know, the overall long-term earnings trend is not devastated. You know, it's not, it hasn't been, we're not, 
I mean, maybe take a step back. When you look at the South African conditions we are in now, it's all, it's very easy to be overly negative. It's justifiable to be negative, but it's too easy to be over negative. Right. We are going to get these first quarter results that are going to be a shocker. I'm talking now the economy, GDP. Right. Going to be a shocker, but that's mainly load shedding, and it should recover in the second quarter and third quarter. And our economists say that we'll grow 1% this year, which is pathetic, but we're not in a full-blown, all-fall-down, minus 5% recession, which a lot of people sometimes think we are heading for or even think that we are in already. In other words, the economic prospects now, even though they are terrible, are not as bad as when we're in a full recession as in 2002 or 2008 or 1994 or 1998. So companies can still grow earnings, even though marginally, and they can certainly generate cash and they can pay dividends. So it's highly unlikely that the future will that the future that we see now, I mean, it's all subject to Donald Trump and trade wars and subject to a massive amount of things. But just taking South Africa into account, it's unlikely that the future is going to be a four-year recession of negative economic growth. Because if that is the case, then the shares are justifiably cheap and could get very, very cheaper because then they will not be able to maintain the same level of dividends. Let's have a look at famous brands now, because if I had to sort of sum up the malaise that has infected the JSE and the mistakes that have infected the boardroom of JSE listed companies, this would be the company that I would pick. This would be my my case study. Here's a company that was going along beautifully, doing so, so well, some really great brands. And then suddenly it started to get a little bit a little bit stretched. It kept on buying everything. I mean, if a fast food chain or a bakery or something had five or six outlets, famous brands would go in and buy it because they had so much money and their share price was doing so well. And they got a yes. bit ahead of themselves. Then they said, right, well, let's go overseas now because if we can dominate the South African market and we've bought yeah, up it. We've imagine bought what we can do overseas. Yeah, yeah, we've bought everything. So there's nothing more to buy. So let's go and teach those English people, those British people, what to do. And they bought Gourmet Burger Kitchen. And it's just a yes. fantastic case because then the economies of both of the countries in which they do their business, yeah. namely South Africa and the UK, start to wane a little bit. And also the high street in the United Kingdom starts to come out of favour because online shopping really taking off there, not, not taking Methods. off so much in, in South Africa, but in, in the UK. So the high street is, is a graveyard in many, in many towns and cities. And almost everything went wrong with famous brands. And it sort of sums up the, as I say, the, the malaise of the South African corporate. And it's been, it's actually been a rather depressing couple of years. It has been. Look, the South African operations, they, if we can just summarize what they had, they started out very basic, you know, they, what they call their, essentially their non-exclusive range. I forget the actual terminology that they use now, but the, the sort of run-of-the-mill fast dining offering. And they did very well with that. Then they bought into Tashes, or they bought a percentage of, of Tashes. That did very, very well. Then they went into the speciality brand, where they bought individual restaurants, but they also bought, you know, more exclusive brands. And they possibly overextended into that. They also went into the tomato juice, tomato puree thing, which clearly didn't work because they've shut that factory down. But 
the South African operations actually did reasonably well. And even in this result, the direct consumer brands actually did quite well. They've opened up many restaurants. They culled a little bit in their speciality. They, they cut back quite extensively in their speciality because it wasn't working for them. They closed a few restaurants and everything, but they seem to have restructured that reasonably well. But the big mistake was going for Gourmet Kitchen in the, in, in the UK. I mean, yeah. that was unfortunately very typical of South African operators for the right reasons, okay? They wanted to go overseas to get non-RAND earnings, and they wanted to go to an economy that didn't have as poor an outlook as the South African economy, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those were very good and very valid, justifiable reasons. But then, unfortunately, they made, I suppose you can say, two mistakes. And this has happened to plenty of South African companies. They go there and they buy a little bit of a basket case because they think they can fix it. Okay, so they go in. Gourmet, Gourmet Kitchen Burgers wasn't flying and neither was New Look with uh, Breit. These are not, you know, companies that were, you know, at the peak of their game. These were companies that needed fixing. And the South African management thought that they have the expertise to fix it. And then the second mistake they made is they went into a competitive environment there that we just do not experience in South Africa. And I suppose you can add on to they didn't really understand the consumer, didn't understand the market, because it was quite frankly foreign to them. So this is a mistake plenty of people made. But on the gourmet kitchen burger, they seem relatively upbeat about the last couple of months trading. They, they think they've restructured all the leases and all of that, so they've got the costs down. They've closed quite a few branches. And they were quite happy about the performance of the leftover branches that they still got there um, in the last couple of months. So it looks as though it might be turning the corner. It's still incredibly early days. I still think the share is expensive there. Mm. You know, if this thing was a 10 PE on the current earnings or an 8 PE, where a lot of our banks are and a lot of other shares are, I would think about it. But this thing after this earnings you know, it's still 20 plus, you know, it's still above a 20 PE. And maybe that's justifiable for the purely South African operations. But I don't think in total, if you add everything together, the, the price it just looks too high, man. In the review period, being the 52 weeks ended 24th of February, Gourmet Burgers Kitchen, the business recorded an operating loss before non-operational items of £4.6 million versus the loss or £3.6 million the previous year, their stores have gone down from 106 to 80. That's a big yes. percentage of closed stores. Yes. I think this is a disaster, personally. No, but if you read further in the statement there, they were actually quite upbeat about the, the trading in the last couple of months. They say it's up quite significantly. Mm. So in other words, they closed the two disaster stores, yeah. and then that boosted the trading of the remaining stores up quite nicely. But yeah, clearly they've wasted an incredible amount of money. I think they've written it down two or three times already, the investment they put into it. You know, that and you can, there's a whole long list of South African companies who went over shares, you've lost money. There's a long list there. This is our case study anyway for today's purposes. Looking forward, they say it's unlikely that local or global trading conditions will improve materially in the short term, but the efforts made this year to restructure our business to withstand as adverse conditions should hold us in good stead. 
So they're saying that yeah. things aren't going to get better, but they're doing something about it. But um, still, maybe more pain to come. Anything else you've seen? Any other companies that really stood out for good or bad reasons, Wayne, since we last spoke? Well, look, Pepco came out today. And I mean, Pepco, well-established brand. Forget about the Steinhoff Association. Um, well-established retail network in South Africa. Now, their earnings on the face of it had a huge jump, but there were special items in yes. last year's earnings. So the actual like-for-like earnings were up 3%, which isn't that good for such a well-established company. So in the last time I looked, the share price took a bit of a pounding there today. It's also looking a little bit of expensive, to, to, be, to be honest. I think there are cheaper retailers around than that. But certainly any more price on movement in that share price, we certainly would be looking at buying some of that because it is a, a truly a quality operation. Forget the sign-up association. It truly is the, the old Pepco is a very high quality SA retailer. So yeah, it was it, it was those, those two that we've spoken about were the big ones out for today. Consumer spending remains under pressure. This is the Pepco blurb that they sent. Consumer spending remains under pressure, having to contend with increased living costs and high levels of unemployment. As I said on a couple of previous podcasts today, Wayne, high levels of unemployment have been with us forever, so please don't blame that because it's, it's now wearing thin. Uncertainty prior to the 2019 elections, blame politics, the implementation of stage four load shedding. We've had that for a number of years now. Don't blame that. I don't know. I don't know if it's, a lot of these things are valid. Instead of just saying, well, maybe we got our buying wrong and maybe our stores are in the wrong place, I don't know. But there are some certain valid arguments about the economy and about constrained <laughs> consumer confidence and spending ability. But if we've had these things for so long in South Africa. Why keep on bringing yes, them up? Because you just keep hoping that it's going to change at some, at some stage. Because if this is going to be the permanent malaise of South Africa, i.e. 1% economic growth for the next 10 years, these companies will have the only way they can then cope with that is to slash costs and cut stores and fire people. Mm. And there's huge implications. And maybe that maybe that's what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we are just stuck in this 1% growth for the next 20 years oh, and eventually, eventually inflation because – Eventually, inflation takes off again, and eventually, you just become a basket case. Okay, so we hope that's not the case. But if that is the case, in other words, if the next ten years is going to be the same as the last, call it three years, four years, whatever number you want to use, then these companies will have to downsize dramatically. They would have to close, I don't know, ten or fifteen percent of their stores. They'll have to fire twenty percent of the people they employ. And that would have devastating consequences because it's not just the retailers. All the banks will have to do that. Everyone will have to downsize to the smaller economic base to, to ensure a decent return on capital and a decent return to shareholders. So you'll have shopping malls sitting 20% empty and employment will go up. So you, you sit back and you say, right, we'll, we'll try our best to cope under these circumstances. But we hope and pray that the economy gets better into the future because all you need in these companies is top-line growth. You just need to make more sales. The higher sales and the same cost base equals profits. But Please. if there's higher sales on coming, because the problem is you're growing your sales. And just, just talk generally about retailers now. Yeah. You're growing your sales by, if you're lucky, 2% nominal 
per store. In other words, like for like store sales, going two, three percent nominal, that your costs are going free or your costs are growing four, five, six percent, maybe even more with electricity and rates and taxes and all of these other things and petrol and all of that. So your margins being squeezed constantly. So unless you can get your sales up, i.e. a better economy, at some point you'll have to say, guys, we've got to resize our cost base because we're getting squeezed. So you take all the property companies now. Property rental is going up, taking into account all the factors. Your rentals are going up 2% a year, if you're lucky. 3% a year, if you're lucky. But your costs are going up 6% a year. So you're being squeezed. So either the economy must recover at some stage so you can start charging more rentals. Otherwise, you are going to have to downsize your management of the company. You're going to have to really get in, get rid of all your old buildings that that you can't get a, a tenant for, that you can't charge a decent amount per square meter. So you're at the point now, if the economy doesn't turn in the next two or three years, I mean, just I don't know the actual number, but let's just say two or three years, guys will have to take a big knife to their cost base because your turnover, your top line is not growing in a subdued economic environment. Lots to think about. And that would be truly catastrophic because they haven't done that yet. It hasn't happened. There's lots to think about, lots of inputs. You are optimistic, but you do concede that there could be some further pain, but you will be buying into that pain, will you, when it comes to domestic JSE-listed stocks? Correct, yes. And when you look at uh, financials, banks, uh, retailers, or banks, a retailers. whole basket of and, the lot. And literally, literally up until Donald Trump's tweet on that Sunday morning, yeah. you'd made 15% return out of these shares this year. Okay. Yes, you done quite well. <laughs> we take First Rand, for example, it was at 70 Rand two weeks ago. You know, now it's 62, 63 Rand. Yeah. So all of the gains you got by having the pro-South Africa shares in your portfolio has all been given back. And then some of the people who didn't have the pro-South African shares, you said that this is a basket case and bought all the international shares. Unfortunately, NASPAS hasn't been bad, but hasn't done much. And as the bush has been destroyed, and now today, British American tobacco is being destroyed because U.S. tobacco sales are down quite dramatically in the, in the, in the last while. So there actually hasn't been many places to hide. No, British American tobacco. Unless you bought U.S. bonds. Yeah, U.S. bonds, exactly. The lowest yield since 2017. And we've had the worst day on tobacco stocks for five months, I think it is, because there was an 11.2% in cigarette volumes over the last year. That's a huge fall. But why are we surprised? Huge fall. Everyone knows that tobacco volumes are going down, but they're normally 2%, 3 4% a year. And that's been the case for way over a decade now. So, So everyone knows this. But that is... A massive fall, uh, and I'm not too sure why. I certainly haven't heard any, but there's been no new legislation. There's been no nothing that would cause this massive fall. Look, I'm not sure if 11% is year on year or month on month. I'm just not sure about that. I don't think it's year on year, but I can't attest to that one. Go to Bloomberg. This was in a report by a chap called Adam Spielman, I think it was, from from City. It's in a research note, and it's on Bloomberg. I thought it was year on year, but whatever it is, it shook the market. Yeah, it came as a shock to the market, yes. I don't know whether you've ever smoked, Wayne, but if you have smoked, then all you have to do to explain this is have a couple of cigarettes and then try and walk up and down some stairs, and then you can understand it. And also, millennials don't smoke. 
There's a whole new generation of people that won't even buy um, toothpaste because it's got fluoride in it. They go to a health shop and buy a fluoride-free toothpaste. There's a whole movement going on behind the scenes, oh, yeah. and it's going to dramatically change retail and the way that people consume goods. Consume goods. Yes, very much so. Look, it's not quite the same in the third world. I mean, this is very much this uh, anti-smoking thing. very much a first world environment. So certainly they're still doing volumes in in, 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 in Africa and China. So, you know, and there's still a lot of people who do smoke. Yes. Um, so the U.S. a massive decline shouldn't be, I suppose, that surprising. It, it shouldn't. <laughs> the extent the market wasn't expecting. But the, the actual decline is, is huge. You know, maybe, maybe the market was expecting a 6% volume decline. But, I mean, British American Tobacco now is trading at an 8.5% dividend yield. And these things, and that company will pay dividends. Eh? Make no mistake about that. This thing generates massive volumes of cash. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go off and have a cigarette. Wayne, thank you very much for your time this evening. Okay. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.